0: Welcome to Just Dad's Reading Books, a podcast about getting to know your kids based on what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. You know what? Today, good morning! Mm-hmm. And welcome to oh. Just Dads Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ.
1: Oh. oh, good morning, Matthew. My friend Matthew, who's totally not in the same room as me right now. Nope. Um, and we're not waking up to a hot breakfast uh, steaming in the other room. Uh, that would be through. good
0: podcast content, man. Mm-hmm. Just a just a wonderful you can just smell. It. Just a ray of breakfast sausages Mm -hmm. out on a Mm -hmm. table. Uh, Mm. Boy, what a a treat that would be. I hope everyone's having a pleasant day. Uh, Today, we're talking about a pleasant little horror book called Coraline (laughs) by Neil Gaiman. That's right. It's finally time to get around to some Gaiman. Honestly, it's it's tough because Neil Gaiman is a very famous writer. But I would say he's somewhat lacking in the children's sphere. And uh, I'm glad... Uh, he wrote Coraline so that we could talk about him as an author on this show.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's an incredible... He's been somebody who's kind of uh, weaved his way in and out of our lives yeah. in some respects. And so it's very fun that we found a topic that we could cover that, that is uh, you know a children's uh, literature book that he had written so that we could cover him. Like yep. you had said, it, it makes me feel good that we get to talk about somebody that you and I truly love
0: yeah we read uh, our our first book in the adult book club mm-hmm. you and I are a part of we read American Gods uh by Neil Gaiman and I think we both liked it all right I don't remember either of us I liked desperate. it a lot yeah okay I I was not desperately in love with it what's fun uh that I'll I'll note uh, after reading uh the the afterword as it were uh for Coraline uh Coraline was written while neil gaiman was on the road writing american gods coraline was more or less Ooh. a break from american gods oh. a, a bit of writer's block or whatever uh, he had been writing coraline for like 10 years but i right. think as my my understanding of the story and he's probably like messing with the timeline but he more or less chose to finish coraline while he was On the road with American gods or or it might be more that the first half of the book was written at that time somewhere in there though while he's doing American gods he starts writing Coraline kind of on a lark
1: yeah no that makes a lot of sense because you can kind of you actually feel a little bit of that writing style in it which is kind of weird to think about because we're talking about two completely different books right right Um, but you do sense um some American gods style writing like the adults in this book um are very just kind of dull, right? Very uh, blasé, I guess, is a good way of describing their attitudes. And it is something, too, because this episode is actually going to be kind of a coverage of all of the media that we could find on Coraline. Yeah, I'm very excited about
0: this aspect. Can we break that down? Let's get into it. Let's mm, talk. Uh, EJ and I have now fully experienced Coraline, okay? We are now Coraline experts. Uh, That's true. Ej, you you led off the charge. You listened to the audio book of Coraline mm-hmm. first. Uh, mm-hmm. Just immediate takeaways of that of just that format for Coraline. How do you feel? Red.
1: Read by the author. You, I mean, oh, how, how much better could it get, yeah. right? Um, Gaiman does a lot of
0: that, actually. I, I read his mm-hmm. Norse mythology, or I listened to his North mythology book, and he also read that. Did he do, he did not do American Gods. Uh, no, but
1: that's that's interesting that's the, that he didn't do American the, Gods. That's the separate one, but I
0: love Gaiman's voice. I love his style of reading, yeah. so I could see that being very pleasurable.
1: Yeah, it was uh, super engaging, especially because Gaiman isn't somebody who adds a lot of inflection, yeah. um, necessarily. But he's a very pleasant listen. You know, mm-hmm. he reminds mm-hmm. me of like uh, Jude Law or somebody. Yeah. right. Just the way that he just talks. Yes, you know? you, absolutely. You, you feel engaged.
0: I would say he writes kind of flippantly. And he mm, yeah. reads it as such. He reads it as flippantly. There's right. so much of the the sort of narration in this book where it's just like so matter of fact. I would say yeah. this is a book about boredom and using boredom as a vessel for horror or for a, kind of a thriller, right? It is a bored thriller. And that is like, to me, the most standout quality of it. So I, you saying that Neil Gaiman kind of, you Know maybe had it with that tone. I to me, that would seemingly reinforce that vibe of the
1: book. Yeah, this book is about boredom, it's about bravery as well. Mm-hmm. It's about, um, really how strong willed, unaffected Coraline is. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is which is like crazy because when we get into the other pieces of media, you do not get that vibe nope. at all. Which absolutely is actually a frustrating part yep. of like the movie and the graphic novel a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Is completely. because. Is is that Coraline is far more affected by the things around her than when in, in the book she is, yeah, totally stoic, yes. like almost the entire time. Like yeah. you can, you get the little senses of like I'm actually afraid, but yeah. I can't show it. Kind right? Of thing. Yeah, I love um, the
0: lines where she she says kind of out loud or whatever. She's like. I am I'm going to be brave and then the aside mm-hmm. right next to this is like but she knows she didn't mean it <laughs> and you just get like you yeah. get those little she he's he's turning the words around on you to to get that sense um I read this book on my mm. uh on my e-reader yeah, and also a delightful way to experience it and if anything I mean obviously it kind of colored my impression of it but it's solidified mm-hmm. that slow aspect to it honestly this book starts very very slow And at first, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel yet about this. Uh, Mm. Because it's really, for the first, like, number of chapters, it's Coraline Mm. kind of mucking about. (laughs) She's just sort of kicking around. She's She's just bored and meandering. And her parents aren't interacting with her too much. But I sent you a message early on. And I said, this is the most realistic representation of a a kid and parent's relationship I've ever seen put to page. Because it is just like hey dad i'm bored okay we'll go do something yeah I, like here's okay, a pen and paper <laughs> fine yeah leave me alone and it's like it's not right. ma- there's no malice there's just like no. especially with like you know Coraline's probably like eight or something right eight or nine or whatever yeah. eight to eleven. Eight to eleven range, is a good where range, it's yeah it's she's old enough that the parents are used to her and also like you get past that hurdle of like five or six where it's like i've done every Mm -hmm. single thing for you now all i want is a little bit of me time every now and then
1: (laughs) speaking from experience because (laughs) my daughter is six now yeah yeah you 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 feel like once you get them in school it feels like i mean it it feels like everything else is a piece of cake yeah i mean i'm i'm not even kidding you it's like you've done it. Like if you can get past the first five years of your child's life yeah. and you don't, uh, aren't like financially ruined from daycare costs, <laughs> right. um, you've done it. Like yeah. you've, yeah. you've, you've successfully cleared the hurdle and you can just kind of be like, okay, yeah, I've taken care of this child. This child can kind of take care of themselves a little bit. Yes. And you know, it's fine for them to have times where they just kind of take care of themselves right. and like play in their room. And like, go outside
0: and perfectly the setting of this book is like the summer right you get your first glimpse of like they're in school all the time and then they come back for summer and it's like Mm -hmm. oh but i i got my own rhythm again and Mm -hmm. now you're around all the time and yeah it's just it's just this perfect balance of like you don't hate the parents there's no there's no No. anger but it's just like they're all kind of bored of each other everybody's just bored of each other
1: well, it's so weird, too, because they just moved into this flat, right? Yeah. So it, it is a little bit weird, but then again, it's like it's not an exciting place to live. Right. Like it's not painted as this like, oh, we've moved into this new home and nobody's energized by it. It's yeah. just like another flat that they all live in and it, it feels like right. they kind of live place to place, you know. Um, they're very much like nomadic people right um, and so so yeah it, it does make a lot of sense that they would just kind of be like yeah we're in a new place whatever and then like Coraline's like kind of exploring it but it's so dull that yeah. she doesn't really care right. about and it, any and it, of it.
0: it it's it's taking this I think this is probably a, a, a British climate thing but it's mm-hmm. kind of detailing the end of summer which mm-hmm. is I it seems like at least uh, some notion a of a rainy season comes mm-hmm. in uh, and so yeah it's this like doldrums of like I can't even go outside Coraline uh, fancies herself an explorer she says it often that she 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 goes exploring and the like the first chapter of the book is her exploring she finds this well she drops a rock down and all these important details that seem monotonous in the early chapters uh become critical aspects of this book something we haven't said so far uh we haven't said it we freaking love this book. This is like incredible. This <laughs> yes. book is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> the thing I would compare it to if you listen to like something like our holes episode, there right. there is not a single wasted word or moment in this entire book. True. Every single piece of it gets used.
1: Yeah. How does, how, how do authors do that? Yeah. Because I feel like, I think with kind of my, the way my mind works, right. Like even in this sentence right now, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of ways that I could have restarted it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's so interesting how these guys are so like Lewis Sasher and uh, Neil Gaiman are so concise yes, and, and how they use, Every inch of the paper to tell yeah. a beautiful story, and it and it gets out. It just gets out. Like when it's done, it's over. And yeah, and it it's over always. In like in this case, like it's kind of a horror book, so it's like over in like a really unsettling right. way, right? Uh, which is fun. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, but like even in holes, it's like it's. Look, this is it. We we finished this book. Right. I've I've knocked it out. I've said everything I've wanted to say. And there's nothing in here that feels wasted at all. Yeah, and it's it's really really solid.
0: What's fascinating about that is uh, to hear Gaiman talk about it. He, he has an introduction to sort of his his post script materials, mm-hmm. and he's talking about writing this at the same time as American Gods. And he says there's only one bit of writing for Coraline that he removed from the entire time of writing the book. He he only made one cut he the way he describes it as this just happened to him right the writing spilled out of him and it just he would write little notes in the corner of like i want to make sure i use this this mention, oh, the well, oh, the cat, uh, the, all these little details are things I will make sure to bring up later. Oh, and cat, he yeah. just did every single time. He always brings the thing back up.
1: That's a very important because of the limited amount of characters we have, yeah. right? right? We have the man that lives upstairs with the mouse circus. We right. have the two old ladies that live downstairs who are former theater yep. um, troop members. Right, And then we have the family itself and then a cat. Yeah. and that's the extent right of the characters in the book right and i will <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll get to the movie we'll later another, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's ex- essentially the extent of it and there's also like the upside down people. Right. there's as well, the inverse right? of all of
0: those people but mm-hmm. that's what makes it work too right is a very limited set of characters a very limited location is the entire mm-hmm. reason the sort of upside down world which is what this book ends up being about Coraline right. discovers a door to essentially a flipped dimension or whatever of right. her house, and uh yeah, she discovers you know a, an other mother, an other father, an other guy who lives upstairs, etc., etc. Right. Et For those first mm-hmm. like f- what is it, like five chapters, it really is yeah. just her farting around, <laughs> and and, yeah. and you don't you don't know what kind of book this is yet. And I'm okay with yeah. That, well, actually. and especially it earns what it gets it you later. It. It really does. I love that sense of kids see it as an adventure book, and adults see it as the horror book that maybe he intended it as. Uh, But that slow, creeping quality is the defining aspect of the book. And uh, as you were alluding to earlier, is the thing the other iterations I think miss out on and lack. Let's real quick before we get into like everything else, I do want to talk about the movie and the graphic novel. The graphic novel is actually pretty quick. The graphic novel. I think the art is well done, but it's not my favorite style for yeah, this fine. book. And it's a very faithful retelling that yep. I think just because it's in a different medium, to me it felt like it was just lacking something. It lacked the, it the really slowness add. and the foreboding, especially because it's a graphic novel. You can, you can turn the pages so quickly that it yeah. lacks that looming, slow, bored yeah, plodding, sense. Because that boredom is what makes the horror hit later, right? Because everything's yeah. going so slow that you start to get antsy, right? The way boredom mm-hmm. makes you antsy and you're like, I need to be doing something, but I don't. I just don't know what to even yeah. do, man. And that's I feel like when the book is at its best is when you're like, she's just Still farting around, but she's farting around in like the most terrifying place I've ever heard of. And yeah. I don't know what's good I don't know what's gonna happen in the next room she goes into, but she sure is just flippantly moving from room to room. I guess we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, this is the the graphic novel, like you said, it's it's so much more realistic yes. than the other two, right? Like right. we're kind of in this absurdist sort of world. Right. Um, you know, in the book and in the movie. And in the graphic novel it looks I think that that's what kind of puts me off about the art is just because it, it, it's almost like it's actually happening to somebody right like yeah and it's it's actually far less believable when you set it that way um, you know it's it, it doesn't really embrace the universe as much. Yeah, exactly. I, it's still a great retelling it's very faithful like yeah. you said and it is cool like if you know that's probably the medium that most kids might prefer to read right Um, this style of literature in um i think that the book is really for like the 12 to 13 year old range 10 to 10 to 13 year old range well that art that art style is
0: not something you know some like eight-year-old is going to be gravitated towards it's it's very realistic right and that's that's the part that i think is lacking especially knowing the movie is out there and the movie is mm -hmm. so art forward i think that's what maybe even kind of colored my impression of the graphic novel because i'm like you could have been so much more inventive than this look at look at what mm. henry Selleck is pulling off with it you know
1: yeah but it's henry sellick also yeah. it's kind of like i mean that's that's like a bit of an unfair comparison sure. for basically anybody Absolutely. right like we're talking about an iconic iconic yeah. movie maker in yeah. terms of stop motion um he basically reinvented uh how any of that can be done right. so i mean he did nightmare before christmas and james and the giant peach yeah. get out of here can we man
0: I loved James and the Giant Peach growing up. It's good. It is. <laughs> it good. was. We
1: got to do that book for this show. That would
0: be fun. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. boy, I, Molly has been putting it on every once in a while recently. And, yeah. And like the first time she put it on, I was like, oh, yeah, James and the Giant Peach is a movie. And I sat and watched a little bit with her. And it, like every single second of that movie started coming back into my brain because I watched it dozens yeah. of times as a kid it and rules. i was just like wow i love this movie uh, a lot oh my gosh and that and we've Actually, been watching we it on repeat book,
1: but let's do the movie for this show yeah, let's just do the movie <laughs>
0: <laughs> well let's talk about Coraline the movie yeah uh, before we Coraline get into like movie. wrapping up the rest of uh how we feel about like the book and stuff my thing with the movie i i think it's a fun movie uh, it's a good I would say it's good
1: yes I would say it's really really
0: good I think it misses the mark of how Coraline actually feels it's making right. a new thing right it's and if anything it's a new thing. if anything Gaiman kind of backs that up by saying for kids Coraline is an adventure
1: book mm-hmm.
0: right so you and I want it to be this horror thing and mm. I think the Coraline movie leans way more adventure with some spooky elements kind of in there
1: I'm not even worried about that as yep. much as I am. It just kind of loses the spirit of it, it loses the spirit of the book a little bit. It's just different, right yep. It's one of those things like if I had seen the movie first, I I almost feel like I might enjoy the movie yep. more right I, I think I'd seen the movie first yeah um, but I didn't. I read the book and when I read the book, I had this expectation of a few things. One, the parents in the movie, are much more uh, aggravated yeah. um, by Coraline. Yeah, it's true. They're mean. They're so much more aggravated. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the mom especially, right? And the dad even, like, who's played by isn't it John Hodgman? Yeah, I'm it sure, is. Yeah, who, who plays <laughs> the dad? And and you know he's great. And they're both you know, and the mom is great in that in that movie. But they they just they put off that air of like they're actually they're actually annoyed with Coraline. Yeah. Versus the book never never makes you think that they they're just exhausted is what they are they're busy like they're they're busy they're exhausted but they're not annoyed by her like especially um and this really comes across in Gaiman's telling of the book like when Gaiman is reading the book to you Mm -hmm. you get the sense that they're not upset with her yeah They know they know she's bored. I when my daughter comes into my room while I'm working, guess what? I know she's bored. Right. (laughs) I know that. And it is it is a lot, right? It's something that you have to kind of explain to them and be like, hey, I got it. I have something I have to do right now. And then later I, you know, I will make sure to try and make that time up as best as I can. But right now, you know, I need you to kind of figure what whatever you're doing out. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And it's that's more the attitude. the book has in the movie i just think completely misses the mark yeah i do
0: too um yeah and and then beyond that uh there's definitely a lot more of the the underworld the the other side Mm. of the house being um really fun and cool for a while which i feel like the book sort of she like she goes to the other side she finds this other mother who has black buttons for eyeballs this other father who has black buttons for eyeballs they make her a chicken dinner it's the best chicken she's ever had she had there's this moment of like this place rules actually i love this uh mm-hmm. she she found this because she went exploring she found something to do right she's and and even she accepts that accepts that all of this is pretty creepy i think there's even a line in the book where it's like she sort of brings up that she's a little bit scared but she's basically like being scared is better than being bored like let's see (laughs) where this goes like let's pull the thread of the sweater a little
1: creep dude yeah so so she's just like i don't know
0: i want to see where this goes uh but i think very quickly the book turns it creepy and i think the movie outside of the buttons for eyes is not that creepy it's a little stepford wivesy right it's a little just like hello Coraline what a comparison but it's not it's not the same kind of creepiness where in the book you really get the feeling of like everything's always reaching out to grab Coraline a little bit Mm -hmm. right everything's very much paying attention to her whereas I think there's just a little bit too much like song and dance and party and and the fun uh, because it's the visual medium right it becomes a right. little bit too bombastic uh, so you lose a little bit of that quality
1: yeah it, you, it loses that scene where uh madam spink and madam forcible um just like when she first goes to the upside down like in the movie she's like very much like oh it's this big song and dance like yeah. you're saying mm-hmm. um but in the book there's just this really like intense scene that happens where they just like pull her up on stage and she's like talking to the, to the dogs. Like the dogs are talking back to her. Right. Essentially court to Coraline. And then like Miss Forcible, like pulls her up on stage and throws a knife at her head. Right. And to pop a (laughs) balloon. And it's just like, and then it's like, and the scene is over. Like, yeah, there is no point really in the book. There's like a very, very brief moment while she's eating the chicken where she's like, Oh, this place is all right. Yeah. Um, but basically right after that moment, that place turns to yes. a place she doesn't necessarily want to be, yeah. Um, but is going to be there anyways for a bit because she's an explorer at right. heart, right? She's still it's much more it for her about the adventure. And then it turns into a problem when she actually, like, she, she doesn't do this in the movie, but she has to call the police at one point. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And... Also, there's a character in the movie that just exists. It yeah, doesn't they, exist. They in try the book. to
0: add some backstory. And honestly, I applaud them for like trying yeah. out a new element. I don't mind mm-hmm. you taking the new medium and deciding to make the work a little bit different. But yeah, they right. basically there are these ghost characters that we come across later in the book, and mm-hmm. the movie wanted to establish them a little bit more. So we invent this character named uh Wiley. YB Wybee is his name. YB. And YB has a grandmother that he's always mentioning. And the grandmother had a sister that went missing. And we just sort of establish these things on the front end. And I think that's meant to also kind of give this like sense of foreboding. Also, YB is for some reason like the character who where the cat gets introduced whereas in the book mm-hmm. the cat is just this mysterious black cat that wanders around. I do find why mostly unnecessary. Uh super unnecessary. But I I don't hate the intent behind it which is to like yeah. draw a bit more connection to the ghost kids that come up later because in the book the ghost kids are definitely just this like odd fairy tale aspect to it. And if anything like that's the part that gets lost I think in Coraline the movie is the sense that Mm -hmm. it's sort of this fairy tale it feels like a legend it feels like this passed down story where just like Coraline moves from room to room because that's the way the story goes whereas the movie feels like an actual adventure following Coraline through these things and characters with motivations the book lacks some motivations at least early on because like I said it's I think it's about boredom, so it is about a lack of motivation and and what that leads to essentially. But yeah, I, I I think YB is a bit of a waste.
1: Yeah, YB. I think my biggest problem is the way that YB is incorporated. Not not from the backstory s- standpoint. Yeah. But a lot of what Coraline is about, a lot of what the book is about, is about Coraline overcoming these obstacles by herself. Yeah. That's the biggest. That's like the moral of yeah. the book is about standing up and being brave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being brave is is about doing something when you're when you're scared, right? right. That's like the whole point of being brave. Is yeah. like you're still scared, but you're still gonna step up and do something, right? And that's what the book is about. And there's too many moments in the movie where be ba- based like even the upside down YB, um, There's because there's two of him in this book, yeah, or in the movie, um, and. They just kind of pull her out of these situations. Right. Um, it just like it's almost like a savior kind of thing, yeah. right? Where it's like that's not the point. That's not man. That's not what the book is about. The, the book ending, is about her. most of
0: all, the ending mm-hmm. is completely yeah. undone by yeah. yB and, and the and the feeling of the ending is completely upended. Um Agreed. Yeah, let's walk through kind of how all of that the rest of that stuff plays out because it does become a genuine just straight up horror novel after a certain point uh, yeah. because she comes back home eventually and then her parents go missing. And like you said, she calls the cops and the cops are just like, ha whatever, kid, like cops always are yep. in stories about kids. <laughs> um, and so then she goes back to the underworld. And essentially you find out that really it's the other mother is sort of like the demon in charge of this domain and everything else is just her machinations to try to get something. And Coraline gets locked in this dungeon where we find out there's three other kids that got locked in this dungeon a long time ago. Uh, and yeah, it's it becomes really just an escape story, and all of these elements that have been getting introduced sort of flippantly throughout the rest of the story become the tools Coraline uses to solve the mystery of how to get out, and the, the, mis- the what she has to do is trick this... Demon thing, this other mother. She has to. Mm-hmm. She really has to trick it the whole time, knowing she's sort of playing a game with the other mother. But yeah. she knows that she, the the mother's cheating at the game. Basically, it's honestly, it's very legacy of Yang Chen poker game. Yeah, <laughs> kind of energy. Yeah, the poker scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, it's 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 knowing that the other person's cheating, and so you have to cheat yourself. Yeah. Um. To 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 uh. You know, reach a, a sought after conclusion that right. is actually fair, right? And yeah, weird. And it's like to reach a fair conclusion, you have to uh, yeah. be be a little bit conniving. It's it's such a good book. It's so good, and it and like I said, if I had watched the movie first or had like a connection to the movie in my past, I probably would be higher on the movie. In fact, I know a lot of people that movie's rated really high. very well. Yeah, you know, and I think it's by a lot of people who haven't actually maybe read the book or yeah. are okay with kind of the adaptation overall. Right, um, but. There's just just very small things. And I like I said, I still overall think the movie is a fun adaptation. I really like the part at the end where the black cat just kind of disappears yeah. into the void. <laughs> like, it's such a small <laughs> moment. It's eerie. But that was really, really cool. Like yeah. that that gave me a chill because right. it's like that's the kind of stuff like where I'm like, this is the redeeming quality of the yeah. movie right. that the book can't convey, right? Yes. The book can't convey that the black cat just, you know, is actually like this mystical being mm-hmm. that can walk between time and space, right? <laughs> right. It, that's, that's, I love fun. the notion like,
0: that the cat is basically insinuating all cats are like this. Actually, all yes, cats are horrible, yes. pan dimensional beings.
1: <laughs> yes. Like, I love the cat is like, okay, so the cat in this book essentially is uh like, she thinks that it's another cat when she goes to the other world. And the yeah. cat's like, no, there's only one it's of me. just dude. me. Like, I just walk back and about? forth. I can just right. do this. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, the implication that cats, like, when you never, when you you're not seeing them like it's they are off in this like other dimension is is so good and it's so well done in the movie i think that's the the biggest highlight of the movie is the cat um and uh yeah i think that that part is knocked out of the park and and like i said the book is just it's just you you just aren't going to get the same feeling you got to read the book you got to listen to the book one or the other right
0: I want to go out on my favorite part of the book which is the it almost feels like an epilogue she escapes the clutches of the thing she gets out of there and then Mm -hmm. the like proper uh thriller part gets to start for a while you're in the horror yeah yeah and and before that you're in the like kind of gore fest and like things are freaky because it's horrible beings but when she escapes essentially you find out that the other mother's right hand escapes as well And, uh, man... There are some connections to things we've read before, EJ. Uh, I have to bring up The Skull by John Klassen here. Yep. The, the, you know, in The Skull, it's this the skeleton well, running yep. around, and the way we defeat it is by shoving it into a well, a yep. bottomless well. Uh, this is the same method Coraline exactly. uses in the book to solve it. This is where the movie yep. is super frustrating because Wydy yes. just shows up and kind of saves the day and helps her th- throw it. He smashes it, and they throw it. I don't yeah, know. It's just annoying. They, Whereas yeah. in, in the book, Coraline is, like, full-on setting a trap and uh, pr- planning this, like, oh. capture mechanic, and it's really great. The other thing I have to bring up, because the only other real horror book you and I have read is Thornhill. And honestly, yep. Thornhill has, like, a million connections to this book. Yeah. Thornhill oh. feels like a even more horrifying retelling of... Coraline to be frank with you there's the, the graphic novel side <laughs> yeah. of Thornhill is a girl whose parents aren't around much and she's wandering right. around an old yeah. house and uh the 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 other side of that is the scratching the scratching outside the door oh, immediately dude, triggered me. <laughs> me in the book as soon as the first scene of basically Coraline's going to bed and the first time she's learning about the hand yeah. is the hand is scratching at her door and I read that moment and I was immediately set back to reading Thornhill and how horrifying the scratching at the girl's door in thornhill was and it just Ugh. was like that cemented this book as like a, oh this is horrifying and like maybe it's just because of that association but there's a good whole chapter where like this hand just kind of keeps appearing and you never Dude. know if it's around the corner oh. and you never know what it wants and if it's going to strangle Coraline to death or what and it's just it's so scary
1: <laughs> yeah i wish there was like you could have even made it fun and like the same adventure setting in the movie and I would have been more okay with it than the way that it was handled because in the movie it's just like ah it's like another ah scene you know it happens so fast right when in the book this is like a process right she is like it's like over weeks she has to figure this out at least that's the impression I got it might only be like days and it could you know be very brief amount of time but essentially this hand is haunting her there's a haunting that's happening exactly and and we miss that element because it just yeah. kind of goes straight to the ending, and then you know, YV yeah. smacks it, and it's over, and it's like, okay, whatever. But yeah. but yeah, you miss kind of the haunting as- aspect of the book where it's like yep and like like the mice are like yep and you'll never be happy really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like you have to or the it's the ghosts when they're yeah. escaping they're like yes. oh yep but you still have to deal with her you sorry have to, like, you have to work it doesn't just out. go yeah. away
0: but it does yeah. it does lead to actually the book ends on like a confidently happy ending actually which i i actually kind of true like the the movie like you said has the ba- black cat kind of dis- disappears and you're like was that bad or is that fine? Like, are we cool? <laughs> I mean, he was on our side, but I don't know what's going on. Whereas yeah. the book ends with just like, she has another dream about the the people that she uh, helped. And, you know, I think all things are good, basically. Uh, but I think that's good for the fairy tale in the end that it actually is, right? I, I think this is more, mm-hmm. and, and Gaiman brings this up also in his afterword of like, it's more in line with something like Hansel and Gretel, where it's like, it's yeah. supposed to be freaky. It's supposed to be weird, but it's not fully horror. It's just an old freaky fairy tale. It's an old spooky right. fairy it's tale. It's like the skull. It's, it's like, like the, the skull. skull
1: and Thornhill <laughs> made yeah. a book. Yeah,
0: it's it's really great. And everybody <laughs> should, so should read it. I don't even think we've spoiled anything. I think you would you could read this book and still oh, all those yeah. things and game. It just has a way with words that, that keeps you going. and that, And that's that's the best part of it
1: yeah it's incredible how like i said before it's incredible how engaging this book is for like you said for how meander because we've been on this i've been on record on this podcast before talking about how i don't like books that start slow yeah don't like them but when you can pay it off yeah exactly spades like this like he pays it off every step of the way yep i'm like Hey, I got to hand it to you. Like, yeah. I can't You made you I made can't, it worth I can't it. deny that's not incredible. Like it's just such good writing. It's yeah. such a good setup for the exact feeling he wants to put inside of you. Yep. And that is something that I aspire to do in my own writing. So, yeah. uh just awesome, awesome yeah. stuff.
0: Well, I we got to at some point read his other uh he he followed up Coraline with a book called The Graveyard Book and now I just mm. desperately want to read that at some point. <laughs> True. Um, very, very much into uh, this style of stuff from Gaiman. Next week is our 50th episode. EJ, we will have done Already, it. Huh? And we're going to celebrate by uh, reading my old favorite, Bill Watterson. <laughs> uh, it's time to talk about Calvin and Hobbes, but I'm going to reserve all of that for next week. Uh, but boy, let me tell you, I'm incredibly excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, we're just going to continue the imaginary friend sort of thread in our podcast i think it's a, a good 50th episode i think that you all will enjoy our conversation regarding really just kind of the aura uh that surrounds calvin and Hobbes. yeah like kind of the phenomenon that it is and yeah i think uh i think that we're gonna have a lot to say about it Absolutely. And I'm excited. yeah we'll see you next week bye